0: Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the Mystical Underground.
1: Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor and Trish McGregor and our producer and tech magician John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we, post, uh, re- or we make regular posts and where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. Trish's latest
2: novel is Skin Shifters. Rob's latest novel is Tulpas. Our guest today is PMH Atwater, one of the original researchers in the field of near-death studies. She began her work in 1978 after experiencing three near-death experiences herself, she has written 18, or is it 19, books on the subject.
3: In Near <laughs> I Death
2: what I Experiences, the rest of the story, uh, she wraps up her early work with nearly 5,000 adult and child experiencers of NDE states, while further exploring her theory about transformations of consciousness. Her book called The Big Book of Near Death Experiences was featured in an online version of Newsweek, and the New Children and near States, states along with the Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Our Lifelong Impact, which we'll focus on today, offers a new perspective on child experiencers. PMH has received numerous awards and honors for her work. In 2010, she was awarded the Nancy e. Bush Award for Literary Excellence and the Lifetime Achievement and Special, Award, Special Services Award, both from the International Association of Studies. She became a researcher in the field of NDE studies after hearing a powerful voice urge her on during her third NDE. She has a monthly newsletter. You can sign up for free at www.pmhatwater.com. Yay, you're here. Welcome, PMH. <laughs>
3: wow. <Whoa.
1: laughs> oh, um, I, I feel so
3: privileged to be with you.
1: <laughs> so... 1970s. Uh, could you start by telling us about your own near-death experiences?
3: Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> this is 1977. Okay, this is 1977. This is Boise, Idaho. This okay. is in January. January 2 and January 4. Oh. So we're talking ice, we're talking snow. We're talking uh, really, really cold. (laughs) And that's when I had my first one and my second one. The third one came in March. Um, um, The latter part of March. And after they were over, um, I had to relearn how to crawl, how to stand, how to walk, how to tell the difference between left and right, See properly, hear properly, and rebuild all my belief systems. And then that fall, we're talking here September, October, I had three major uh, relapses. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop and do everything all over again, over again.
1: Jeez. <laughs> I, I understand. So, you had you know, some it was diffi- one of those
3: kinds of things. <laughs> yeah,
1: you had some difficulty breathing too, didn't you? Uh, it was the automatic breathing?
3: Well, <laughs> I was dead, so <laughs> there's no, no, no such thing as breathing. I was dead. <laughs> no, I, I was no folks, after... I, I I was raped, and oh. then I and and then became pregnant, and oh. it it was because of all of the uh, problems with the pregnancy that okay. caused the three death experiences. Mm. So, uh, um, the first one was more or less an out-of-body experience. Um, you've heard a lot about those. The second one uh, was, um, certainly out-of-body again, experiences in the void, uh, going on beyond the void. Um, the third one, and then, um, was so far out that I can't even find words right now to describe mm. it. What I can say is that with my third one i i I had no intention of ever coming back on earth again.
4: Mm.
3: i I, um, I was going toward what I felt was um the absolute beginning of creation and consciousness, God's self. There was no way I was coming back. My son had found my body, mm-hmm. and he was talking to me. Fortunately, mm-hmm. we had raised our children. I have three children. We had raised our ch- children to always go within instead of going without. And mm-hmm. in other words, if they had any problem, any question you go inside to your heart and and you get your direction there mm-hmm. and so my son was about 19 or so and um, um, he d- did what he was taught to do, he went within hmm. and the voice said talk it doesn't matter what you say just keep talking uh-huh. just talk uh, that that then uh, I was able to hear that. We found out later on that had my, had my son go to the phone and call for help, they would not have arrived in time to save me.
4: <laughs> so by,
3: by my son following um, what he was told to do, I heard him. And I heard on his voice uh, what I call unconditional love. I knew unconditional love was possible on the other side. I did not know it was possible on this side. Hmm. So I came back to learn from him what unconditional love really is.
4: Wow. Hmm. So
3: that's why I came back. Uh, but in that third near-death experience, I was told before I came back that my was uh-huh. to research um, um, these kinds of things. Um, Is this the
2: voice you referred to?
3: Yeah, I called it the, the voice—the um, voice like none other. And, and it said, and I quote, Sir? "Test revelation. You are to do the research. One book for each death. Mm-hmm. It did not. Um, it did not show me how to do this work. Um, but in in my heart, in, in in within my being, I'm the cops. I'm a cops kid. I was raised in a police station." <laughs> so I I know I know police investigative techniques, so that's what I used. Uh-huh. And um, you know I I just um, the following year, 1978, I had met Elizabeth Kubler Ross at mm-hmm. um, uh, a, 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 um, at the airport. And um You mean a chance meeting? A synchronistic yeah. meeting? Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I did not know that she was there. She did not know I was there. And and I saw I saw her. And of course I'd seen pictures and all this kind of stuff. So I went up to her and and her plane was late for a trip to Europe, um an hour late or more. So we sat down on a little bench like a couple of schoolgirls, <laughs> just chatting and talking. And I told her about my three near-death experiences. Of course, I didn't know that that's what they were. Um, never heard that term. And she listened, and she said, um, I had had a near-death experience. She told me what the pattern was. She did hmm. not mention Raymond Moody. Um <laughs> uh, uh, and I would never heard of Raymond Moody. And and I thought, okay, okay this is what I'm supposed to do. Then, hmm. uh, you know, I had the title. Um, I had, you know, I, I knew something about it from Elizabeth.
2: Uh-huh.
3: That's all I had. No. I mean, that's all I had.
2: Had she written? No, so I. Then.
3: Well, no, I hadn't read no, anything. No, had she? Uh, Elizabeth I, um, there's no books here
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, it's, so I, I'm I'm raw <laughs> okay. I, I you know I talked with Elizabeth and um, so I went out and did my work as soon as I could sell my home in Boise Idaho um, I gave away or stored or sold everything I had walk, walked out on an on my life, my three children by by that time um, had chose to go elsewhere. So I walked out of my life, uh, knowing nothing but that voice and mm. what I was to do. So I, you know, um, uh, zigzagged across the uh, the United States because my sense, my feeling was that I was to go across the United States and fulfill all of my childhood dreams and wishes. Mm-hmm. So I did, including going down to the bottom of the, the can- Grand Canyon. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd always wanted to do that, so I did that. Um, and I had $1,000 in my pocket. That's it. Jeez. Went to um, Washington, D.C., because, well, I went to... Um, Falls Church, Um, I didn't know what Falls Church was. I mean, is that a town? (laughs) I didn't even know it was a town. But I went there um, because that's where I was told to go. And Mm -hmm. I had a cousin that lived there. And so I stayed over um, uh, a week with them. And they informed me I needed to go out and find my own place. (laughs) <laughs> and so I did. I finally found um, a place to live, and um, obviously I, I have to have a job. So um, I have, uh, What would we say? Uh, 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 the, these people. These people that find you work. I went there. I took Let a me. test. Um, they said they would find me a job. So, so, um, you know, I just trusted that, and, um, and uh, um, they found me a place to apply. I went there, and I, I no kidding, I haven't told this to anyone on planet <laughs> Earth. It's going to be on my 19th book, but you're hearing it first. Oh, good. I, I went to the corner of, uh, um, where was it? Well, anyway, I, I, I you know, I, 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 would, I, I went to this job and I'm standing there in the doorway and I, I'm seeing myself already there. I'm there at the desk. I'm walking around. I'm, 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 um, I'm filing things in the filing cabinet. I'm talking to the bosses. And I'm standing there seeing this all happen God. and thinking to myself, how can this be? I'm already there, but I'm standing at the doorway. <laughs> and and <laughs> then finally, uh, finally this boss says, well, come in and we'll interview you. <laughs> and I thought, this is funny. So I went in, got my interview, and left. And and these people had uh, more jobs that I was uh, to apply to. And I thought to myself, well, why should I apply to any other jobs? I already have this one. (laughs) So I, 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 uh, I, uh, I was in DuPont Circle. I just simply laid down on the grass and went to sleep put my purse over uh, uh, my chest, laid down, went to sleep. And uh, when it was time to get up, got up and um, went to the phone and and called this employment agency. And and they were, you know, (laughs) they said, you have this job. And I said, well, I know I have that job. (laughs) And so I said, I'll start at nine in the morning. And you know nobody knew anything. So at nine in the morning, the next day, I was there, and um, I got the job. I stayed there, and um, I was there for a year. And and the message came or the feeling came. It's now time to go to Roanoke, Virginia. I did not know what a Roanoke, Virginia was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I went down there, um, and um, you know, w- w- where do you live? What do you do? So, um, I made I made a poster of a, of myself and what I was there to do, and uh, put it up in a in a church, a Unity Church, which I visited, and and people saw it on the on the bulletin board and said. Oh, she's part of our family, so they called me and invited me to live with them, no rent. I went. I lived with them, with And the church. That's, yes. um, um, we all attended that church, mm-hmm. and um, geez, that's uh, the the job I got took me all over um, from the Mississippi River East, all up and down. I, I worked for an interconnect company
4: um,
3: that, that's Ma Bell, um, uh, before the divestiture. So I was working for them. So they sent me out all over. Uh, to do to train people to do the new computerized switching systems um, you know can <laughs> imagine that if you will and everywhere i went there were near death experiencers
2: jeez everywhere yeah, that's, that's what i let I'm me
3: show you how bizarre it was i was working a job in Macon Georgia And I had a coffee break, so I went to a truck stop. I was in the middle of the truck stop, sitting on a little table all by myself. And this guy comes up, almost as wide as he is tall, and he says to me, Lady, anybody sitting on on that chair next to you? I I said, No, would you like to sit there? (laughs) Yes. And and so he put his elbows on the table, looked at me, eyeball to eyeball, and says, I want you to know I still drink, I still smoke, and I still chase women, but I want <laughs> you to know all about the time I died. Wow. Well, <laughs> he told me about his experience. That's the way it was.
4: Jeez. Year
3: yeah. after year after year. I finally decided I must be wearing um, a, a poster board on, the back, uh, on my back <laughs> saying, You know, a near death experience, tell me about it. Oh, you know, I'd be walking down the street, and a woman would come up and say, You know, real nervous. She would say, I've just got to talk to someone, and I know I can talk to you. <laughs> um, I died, and this is what i saw God. you know, and it just i mean we're talking here thousands of people hundreds God. of people huh. I, I i finally p- p- put ads in newspapers i finally did um the internet thing mm-hmm. to uh, uh, you know w- w- with real projects where you know, I, I'm doing a specific study. I did that too. Uh, I uh, I was working nearly oh 14 hours a day, um, six days a week, huh. and I did that for shh decades, hmm. decades, and I finally decided. You know. Um, maybe this, maybe I need to give myself a little, um, less time here, uh, doing this and more time being normal. (laughs) (laughs) So I cut my workload to eight hours a day, five days a week. Mm -hmm. And I've been working that for about, oh, I'd say about the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm.
2: Did you so, did
3: Did you ever ask any of these people who approached
2: you why they approached you? No. Huh. That is so Never
3: that, thought of it. Yeah, I never thought incredible. of that. Uh,
1: when did you get interested in children's uh, near-death experiences? You uh, well, right st-
3: away. Uh, I I mean, right away. You know, right from the beginning. Uh huh. In fact, when I was touring the country, um, when I was working, like making Georgia and up in that part of the country, um, people would find out I was there, uh, and, and and they would um, talk to each other, and I had families. Come to me when I, I was doing a job, like in Tennessee. <laughs> um, uh, when I was doing a job, I would have families come to me and say, to, uh, um, "Talk to our kids. Hmm. You know, we, we want our children to talk to you." Hmm. I mean, it was spooky, guys. It was yeah. spooky. Yeah, uh, really. Uh, how-, how do I explain it? It was spooky.
2: Yeah. It sounds like a synchronistic journey is what it sounds like to me. Everything fell into place.
3: Well, it w- folks, it was the job I, b- I was told to do, mm-hmm. and I did it.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: I gave it all my gusto.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, no, my work was not accepted at first. I did not know what a paper was. Or an abstract was, so I had to learn what those were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I come, I come, my <coughs> idea back in idaho uh, Idaho was higher education. The, um, uh, that describes how high you can. Um, uh, cover a corral fence when a bull's chasing you. you know, <laughs> that's higher education. And and it finally got through to me. Um, I had to go to a college and get a degree. Mm-hmm. So I finally was able to, to do that. I went to Montreal, Quebec. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I finally got a degree. yes i'm a i'm a doctor yes i went to school um i i I mean i learned this stuff and then um but that was about midway through doing all this work
4: Mm. and
3: then i finally got some papers published and abstracts out there and you know, I became part of of the community of researchers.
4: Mm-hmm, right. but
3: i I never, ever followed scientific protocol, and this is why I did not. They use questions before they talk to the person. Hmm. My dad always said, "You can tell more." by watching a person's body then listening to the uh, whatever comes out of their mouth uh-huh. hmm. and you always follow the body what a person is doing with their shoulders their hips their eyes their you know their neck their mouth and so uh, um it, it, um i went according to the person's words and their life, and what 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 concerned them. I did not have a list of questions that matched a scientific protocol. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was always with the person, so I'm not uh, I'm not, I'm not being some kind of doctor
2: right.
3: that uh, um, that is. Um, that is following a scientific protocol? No, I'm a doctor who is following the person. They're, uh, I'm in their family. I'm mm, talking yeah. to their family and their children or their health care givers. What mm. did you see?
1: Yeah. so uh, when, when uh, how did how did you find the near-death experiences for kids differ from near-death experience for adults?
3: Oh my! <laughs> Such a difference. Such a difference. Um, yeah, you mentioned they for, don't see the tunnel. For a child, for a child that's like, you know, seven, eight, and above, they're they're kind of like an adult. Not okay. not really, but but kinda. But if you get if you get a child, an individual who who had their near death experience between birth and the a- age of five. Sometimes six. These are people who had no before. Mm -hmm. Now think about that. They had no before. So they can't compare anything. You 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 get an older child or a teen or a tween or young adult, they can compare. Right. But a, a little kid, they cannot compare anything to anything. And so when the, when you're talking to these people, um, it's a whole different ball game. It's a completely different ball game, and and you're going to get that in the Forever Angels, near-death experiences in childhood, and their lifelong impact. Um, certainly, I wrote the New Children and Near-Death Experiences. So you might want to read that. There's a big resource section in the back of that book. But uh, uh, with that book, I went after anyone who had a near-death experience between birth and the age of 15. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Well, most of my cases were between birth and the age of seven.
4: Um,
3: So I didn't have many teens and tweens. Mm -hmm. Um, So I could use that research with the Forever Angels. Uh, But again, when you're working with kids, um, you have to be really alert to what they're telling you or showing you. And at that time, I was working with uh, uh, kids from four and a half years old on, so w- w- when you're wor- working with a little kid, you're down on the floor with them because <laughs> you can never have your eyeballs above them.
4: Uh-huh. This,
3: is, um, this is so true with, with, with children. You can never have your eyesight above them.
4: Mm-hmm. If
3: you do, then <clears throat> um, they might color their experience. It has to be eyeball to eyeball with kids. Mm. Uh, it's not. It's not that. That's so with, with adults, but with kids, it has to be. Mm. So, so with uh, uh, with the Forever Angels, I did something different, and that is, I went after mature uh, little kids. In other words. Those people who had a near-death experience between birth and the age of five, uh, um, I went after them when they were 50, 60, 70, 80 80 years old, Uh, but they had to verify. They had to verify they had a near-death experience in those ages. (laughs) I had one lady, 82 years old, who had a younger sister that remembered. Huh. And the younger sister validated her experience for me. Yeah. Can you imagine that? But she did. And and so I asked them, all of them, um, did having a near death experience at those tender age at that tender age did that make any difference in your life? Uh, and if it did, tell me about it. So in essence I was going after essays.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't program them in any way, and um, what I got back absolutely floored me. Um, it wasn't. Uh, it was just just so big. I mean, I mean, I was not prepared for what I got back. Um. Uh, I. I mean, again, these are people who can't compare anything. Yeah. As a child, so you get a, a different view of the near death experience. These these are kids coming in, and they, most of them, most. Um, we're talking 397 people with these two studies 397 people so it's a major study most of them could remember their birth twang! Mm. doctors out there everybody most of them could remember their birth one third of them could remember being in the womb Hmm. You, everybody, mothers, you, and and they could remember, um, uh, um, and they were, uh, um, had problems if their mother smoked or drank, and 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 this one specific one, let's see, where where, um. I wanted to talk about that one, and I misplaced it. Well, <laughs> anyway, um, she's um, she's in the womb, maybe maybe five months, and her mother starts to smoke, and 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 she's going. Um, she she she. Um, um, she 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 she's trying to be smaller and bigger because she doesn't want that uh, awful stuff coming in again uh be because it's it she can smell it she can taste it it's filling the womb and she doesn't like it and and so you know this is a warning for all mothers out there for heaven's sake don't smoke um So these kinds of things make a really big difference. But the the replies I got back, many of them were tear-stained. They Hmm. were so tear-stained, I could hardly read their essay. Um, People who had never been able to talk to anybody under any condition, and now they could finally talk about their experience, and it just um, it just blew them away that that they could finally talk to somebody I had two people two who could uh, uh, who could remember their conception Wow they That's were it. there when their parents conceived them and mm-hmm. one of them when they were when she was older drew a picture about uh, about it, and showed it to her parents. Oh my God. And she was correct. The, 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 the position of mom and dad, yep. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> she was there, she saw it, and, and when she was old enough to draw a picture, she did it, and she mm-hmm. showed it to her parents, and she mm. was correct.
2: P.M.H. No, so, I uh, mean, you know. <laughs> that, that's pretty incredible. So P.M.H.,
1: what, what, at what point do you think that the soul enters the fetus during the
3: pregnancy? Oh, you know, we, we can't say that. Mm-hmm. Edgar, Edgar Casey said that, you know, like maybe a couple of weeks before, maybe a couple mm-hmm. of weeks after. Um, okay. I can't agree with anybody anymore
2: mm-hmm. because
3: of what I, I found with my near-death experience. I mean, many of them were there before pregnancy. Hmm. Uh, Many of them were there after pregnancy. (laughs) So I can't say before or after, because (laughs) it varied. So they
1: they go in and out of the body, then, right? I mean, um, some of them
3: did. Some of them did. Yeah, Yeah. some of them did. Hmm. Uh, One of them was caught in a war. Um it, where was it? Crimea or something? Well, anyway, uh, um, it was in Europe and um, caught in a warlike situation. Hmm. And she, she was stuck uh, and seemed to have been born dead. Oh, wow uh, but, but she was uh, uh, hovering above, watching everything, and doing everything she could, to um, um, uh, 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 get the attention of the nurses um, th- uh, that she wasn't a, a, a dead baby. Yoo-hoo, you-hoo. <laughs> you know, I'm still here. And finally, believe it or not, the mother of the mother. So it would be the grandmother. Um knew about herbs and she picked up some herbs, uh, boiled them, made some kind of um, tea and was able to get that in this dead, supposedly dead baby. Huh. And the child revived. Jeez. And, 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 you know, he, he, here's this child up on the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing all of this and saying thank you, Grandma, thank you, Grandma. <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, all all kinds of things happen, but one of the things that really got me after the book is out, the Forever Angels, um, is now out. It's been out now for about a year. Mm-hmm. I had a man call me on the phone. Uh, I don't know how he got my phone number, but he did. Well, he was a cop. <laughs> you know, police officers can do anything. And and he was a new city cop. He was in his late 40s. He's crying. He got a hold of the book, read the book, and he said, this is me. I went through this. Mm. Um, this is me. Thank you so much for telling me why I am so different.
2: But because what did he gone doesn't through?
3: Fit. He doesn't fit. None of these kids fit. Mm. And, and I'll tell you why. Let, let's look at why they don't fit. Um, number one, most of them can remember uh, a whole lot of things um they they are smarter than the average kid. Mm. they can take out of body experiences uh, um uh, they they go out of body f- fairly regularly. they know all kinds of things um a lot of them can uh, 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 um, they're they're doing all all kinds of things by the first grade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Abstracting. They're abstracting by the first grade. A lot of them are born with stenesthesia, which is um, uh, multiple sensing. Mm
4: -hmm. Uh,
3: Let me give you... uh, um,
1: like they can uh, smell music, right, or something like that? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm not a near death kid, but I was born with synesthesia. So in the first grade, I was the only kid in class who who could could um, sm- um, or who who could t- who could taste color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, um, hear hear me and. Hear music and uh, um, see music and hear numbers. So, um, you know, I I stood out in class as a liar. I had, to, I had to really. I had to sit on a tall stool in front of the class, wearing a tall cap that said "dunce" on it, as an oh example gosh. of a bad child who told lies. By Jeez. the end of the first grade, I, I was so angry. That I decided I would never be an adult when adult when I grew up because all adults are stupid. <laughs> and that's probably why I became an inveterate researcher. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I started researching things at the age of five, actually.
1: Wow, PMH. I've been uh, communicating with a man who had a near-death experience just a few months ago after being attacked by a huge shark uh, in uh, Australia uh, on the Great Barrier Reef, and he lost right. fourteen. He lost fourteen units of blood. That's like all of his blood. Uh, oh. And but in his uh, uh, NDE. He uh, near-death experience. He didn't see any tunnel or bright light. He found himself in a darkened room, but he felt very safe there and comfortable there. And he, he saw beings that were like orbs of light that were about as yeah. bright. As, yeah, they're about as bright as lights, And they told him to leave to go home. And uh, they uh, they were male voices. Uh, uh, and the second time, the second one that came in was a different voice. He was more forceful. He said, "Go home, Rick." Uh, and he woke up in the hospital and uh, found his wife uh, the, telling him to breathe because the the nurse was co- concerned that he was holding his breath. And he's a diver, and I guess that's you know uh, one of the things he knew how to do very well. Uh, and. So I was wondering, have you found many people experience lots and lots
3: and lots and lots and lots dark light dark light experiences? Yes. Right, with no
1: tunnel or bright light. Yeah.
3: Um. Let's stop right now and get rid of the tunnel experience. (laughs) It is not. Um. It is. It is. It's not universal. it's no it's not Mm -hmm. uh only about a fourth uh to a third uh uh, of people who have near-death experiences ever uh, ever see uh, or experience a tunnel Mm
4: -hmm. so
3: it's not that common now for a dark light experience adults have them too but children have them a lot so we've got the dark light we've got uh, that very raw piercing heavy light and then we the white light
4: mm-hmm.
3: so uh, a near death experience is not a white light experience a lot of people think it is it's not uh, a lot of kids have dark light experiences um
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, so i i i asked the, the children themselves you know describe these lights Um, Because that raw light is so powerful. Just, I can't even, they can't even begin to to describe how powerful that light is, but it has no special color. And then there's this dark light or black light. Some of them say it has purple tinges around it. And then there's this white or bright light um, that we hear a lot about. And so the kids say, well the the bright light experience that's father light mm. the dark light experience that's mother light mm. and that raw piercing experience uh, th- that raw light that that's so powerful that's god mm. and the mother light and the father light they come from God's light. Hmm. So the kids are very specific here. Yeah, you know, hmm. they, they they don't fool around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and kids can see prayer. I love this. I love this. Um, they describe prayer, prayer as coming from a person's chest or heart, and they're praying, and it goes in out in a beam, kind of like a rainbow, but not, because it's banded rather than um, um, the, the colors being a um, rainbow L- L- bridge. No, it's banded. The colors uh-huh. are banded, and it, it'll go out to the person who is to receive the prayer, Mm. and i i said to this one little boy you know
4: <laughs> what
3: what's it like to have one of these prayers Yeah, you know come to me come to you uh, and or hit you or whatever and he started laughing and scratching <laughs> up his nose and he said, oh it feels warm and tickly all over <laughs> so, so, you know, say your prayers. Warm <laughs> and tickle somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah, PMH, you write in your research that you found four types of NDEs. Uh, one is like an awakening, and I think that's what my friend uh, Rick experienced. Another no, I just is, uh,
3: call it the initial one. I call yeah, it the initial.
1: The initial it one, it right. could be an
3: out-of-body experience. Uh, it could be the friendly dark. A voice, mm-hmm. whatever um, and um, there's seldom any more uh, more to it than that,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but it it really affects people deeply, you know, yeah, um, yeah it really gets about- to their heart of hearts,
1: right. yeah, you've been talking to me about this, yeah,
3: yeah, and and the second one, I would call the unpleasant. <laughs> or the trip to, trip to trip hell, to hell. <laughs> yeah ex- experience A- okay. and we do have those kind absolutely we do have them um and um m- many people who have that kind of unpleasant experience they'll go th- uh, through their life and um be- being puzzled by that or mm-hmm. having problems with that kind of light
4: mm-hmm.
3: um and, and then the other is this very bright or white light. Some people say it has a little gold in it or a little silver in it, but but you know this this very uh, powerful light. And, and uh, almost to a person, they'll just say uh, that that the light is, is brighter than ten thousand suns. <laughs> like but, a, like a
1: Christian know, city, I've heard it described.
3: Yeah, but but it but it but it doesn't burn. It doesn't hurt you. Uh, but it's it's this really, really bright light. Um, in my research base, about, oh, I don't know, 46%, 47% had that. Um, there weren't that many. In, in, in my hellish experience, or uh, I shouldn't call it hellish because it's not always hellish, uh, but unpleasant, one out of seven in my huh. research base had that uh, with... Um, uh, the, uh, the more pleasant or heavenly type, uh, uh, you know, about forty-six percent, something like that. And then you have what I call the transcendent experience, and these are, um, these are what I seldom are they ever personal. The transcendent is seldom personal. You, you you get the unpleasant and the pleasant those are the personal ones where you get uh, the life review mm-hmm. you don't get that with um, you know the initial experience or, or the transcendent experience mm-hmm. these are uh, people that are 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 told they have a specific job to do get out and do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, these, these are the, you know, the world changers, if you will. Um, and those are the four kinds I, I ran across. Yeah. But a lot
1: of people don't want to go back, right? I mean, they 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 feel more at home where they're in this experience and don't oh, want to go back. Oh, my
3: goodness. Yeah. My goodness. Especially with children.
1: Uh-huh. That's
3: a big issue with children, especially the, the uh, one to five group. Mm-hmm. Um, l- let me give you a, a, a number here. Um, w- 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 with my children, 397, you know, major study. 74% had v- very successful lives and careers afterward.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So remember that 74%, that same figure Seventy-four percent were suicide prone. Wow! Oh. Wow. Now, now let let's stop here, and 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 look at this. Um. Um. for for for, for children, they have no way to really process something like this. Even growing up, they still have problems uh, processing this. Um, The after effects are extensive, whether we're talking adult or child. doesn't matter. After effects, you've got physiological after effects. You've got psychological after effects. With the physiological uh, after effects... um, There are changes in the brain. There are changes in the nervous system and the digestive system and skin sensitivity. Hmm. So we're talking major changes here. Sometimes those are... uh, You can handle those and sometimes you can't. And with children... um, Uh, the the biggest thing with kids is what I call out-of-the-mouth-of-babes syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, with kids, you want to hear all about it. You know, out-of-the-mouth-of-babes, you want to hear the stories. (laughs) Right. Uh, But what about kids? Ten years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, what is it going to be like with the kid? Remember that police officer in New York. It's not necessarily helpful. Um, uh, I have a whole chapter in the book. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm alerting anybody who's, who's a counselor or a therapist. Read that chapter. It's called B.T.S.D. Uh, versus NDE. Mm. We, we we don't know about kids. Uh, mm. g- kids are looking at this kind of thing, and 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 they're thinking, "Whoa, that was a wonderful, wonderful thing. I want to go back." And but they weren't breathing, and now that they're breathing, they're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So for a child they they will think, oh, if I stop my breathing, I can go back there. See, a kid doesn't know the difference. Right. So um, with the PTSD versus uh, 34% were positive about having an NDE, 61% were negative because growing up and finding their place in life was just too difficult Mm. Mm. so it's uh, and i'm saying with kids you got to read that book the forever angels and um it would be very helpful if you read the other one um you know the new children and near-death experiences because in the back of that is all kinds of suggestions <clears throat> and, and, and the biggest one, the biggest one is the most simple. Teach children visualization techniques. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. Teach them a visualization te- uh, technique where they can go back, stay for a little bit, and, uh, and then come back here and, and uh, impress upon them that here and now, this is where you need to be, but go back there and um, replenish yourself. That will be helpful. Hmm. Um, You you can go back and forth and back and forth. It's just a visualization technique, and Hmm. that will make all the difference in the world because if you read that chapter in the book, you find out, they really don't want to kill themselves, but what they want is that kind of of it's that kind of of memory. Um. Uh. You know. They want they want that kind of familiarity again. Um. They, they, Frankly, they miss heaven.
1: Hmm. And they you were, missed
3: heaven. That that's yeah. all that that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah. You wrote a book called Children of the Fifth World, a guide to the coming yeah, changes in human the consciousness. New kids. What changes uh, do they foresee for the human race?
3: Oh another <laughs> show. You on another show. Yeah, right. we're on another show.
1: Uh, that's, uh, have uh, you back
3: but, but one to, uh, of those uh, things, one of the, those things has certainly come true, uh, is um, the new kids <coughs> uh, have a completely different idea of sex hmm. and being in the body. And, uh, yeah, and that's what we're seeing here. So many of them taking sex changes. You know, um, um, we now have all kinds of words for um, sex now, and 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 sexual right. partners. So uh-huh. that's one one of the the changes that mm-hmm. they're bringing about. Mm-hmm. And I'm not happy with that. I I, <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> else is either. <laughs> or uh, uh, um uh, well, I don't mean that, but um you know most of us aren't um that happy with all these kinds of uh, of changes that they want, mm-hmm. but that's what they're bringing yeah that's part of being one of these fifth world kids so good huh. <laughs> go read the book <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. And have you you encountered any cases where two experiencers get married and uh, their mutual experiences played a significant role in their relationship? Has that ever happened?
3: Yes, it has. Um, (laughs) And um, sometimes it's been helpful and sometimes it has not.
2: Uh, Why? Because they have different experiences? or?
3: Well, they divorced. They, Mm -hmm. they, They just couldn't handle it.
1: Uh, huh.
3: Yeah. Sometimes it was helpful, and sometimes it was not.
1: Hmm. It's interesting.
3: Well, now, what happens to
2: kids who say die in vitro and don't come back? What well, What are they on the other side? Are they just?
3: Well, uh, let's stop here, and and let, let's just stop here right now. <laughs> okay. Most of these kids coming in who have a near-death experience. Um, how, how do I how do I put this into words? Um, some of them remember past lives. Most mm-hmm. don't. If you read the book,
4: mm-hmm.
3: it's all spelled out in the book. But most of them remember ah oh, what god a river of of consciousness mm. or a river of,
1: of luminous life stream you've written
3: yeah a luminous light stream yeah. and that's where they want to be
4: yeah
3: and a while well, there'll be a dip in this is in the stream that's a life and they'll come in <clears throat> and then they go back up to the live stream but they, they don't, don't have a consciousness or an understanding that we do mm-hmm. their understanding is that life stream huh. mm-hmm. so um What What happens in this live stream? Their world is the live stream. Excuse me?
2: What what happens in this live stream? I mean, what... What is it like?
3: Well, it's... (laughs) They describe it as wonderful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They'd rather be there. Yeah, I mean,
3: how can I find words for that, guys? Right, yeah. I'm just curious. I mean...
2: You know, you have one one visual visual of this. It's like okay, a luminous life stream What happens in the life stream
3: <laughs> Well, it's a, it's 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 perfection. Uh huh. So uh-huh. I, h- how do you describe perfection? <laughs>
2: uh-huh. <Right. laughs>
3: uh-huh. I, I I'll put you on the on the docket here. How do you describe it? I don't know. You know I mean I don't I know how just, to describe it.
2: Yeah. I was just thinking. Okay, suppose you had a novel that was that took place in this live stream, what would the live stream be like? You know, Mm. that's where my mind goes. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. Is it creative? If you're going to get back to my own near death experiences, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: I'm going to say that it's simply beyond words because it's beyond, beyond, beyond.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah
3: yeah i i i'm I'm trying to give words to that in my ni- in my nineteenth book the b- one I'm working on now mm-hmm. um, yeah, you should yeah, have a which chapter which is about my life, my research, and my death um yeah i I tried to, to and had problems with that <laughs> <laughs> I see why. <laughs> Hmm. So I'm not sure how I'm going to handle that. We well, look forward I mean, to I your
1: forward to your next book. Do you have I a title that. for it yet?
3: Yeah, but I can't tell you the title yet.
1: Okay. okay. We'll wow. Yeah.
3: Sorry. Well, <laughs> well look, get get yeah, keep, get, on, get, a, get on my 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 newsletter.
4: Yeah. Yeah, w- w- dot
3: at water dot com. You can get on it right now.
4: Okay. And uh,
3: um, get over the newsletter, and and sign up for the newsletter. It's free, it, okay. it, it, but I tell everybody it's only for the curious.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, real quick. Because
3: if you're not curious, you're not going to like it.
0: Real quick, yeah, I'll p- tell you real quick, that right now. Real quick, PMH. You you dropped out when you gave your website. So so give it again yeah. if you don't mind.
3: www dot p m h at water dot com
1: perfect All right and they can sign up there for the free yeah, and also see the well
3: it, it, there's an ar- ar- archive so yeah. you, you know you can go back in time right great. and and if you sign up right now you'll you'll get the uh, September issue oh. it, 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 oh, great. it's not out yet
1: we'll yeah. sign up well, thank you for oh, very much great. for
2: Thanks coming. So much. On. Well,
3: look, I tried, I tried. Oh, <laughs> oh this is fascinating. You did great.
2: You enjoyed it. Woo!
3: <laughs> well, I the,
2: the precursor was losing power, and then it miraculously came back on, so we didn't have to just reschedule.
1: In, just in time, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, that worked out, didn't it? It did. <laughs> Th- thank you, God. Thank, well, thank, thank you, you God. You your much. surprises and your miracles. <laughs> <Good night.
1: laughs> Okay. Goodbye now.
3: Thanks to all of you. Bye. Have a good weekend. Take care. You do.
2: All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, we'll send you the link.
0: Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cat. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.